Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grossack. It gives me a great pleasure to welcome Russell Handy, my co-host for What's Making News. As always, welcome again to Viewpoints, Russell. Thanks, Henry. Well, we've, um, we're in another seven-day lockdown, and it's come pretty quickly, and we'll talk about that a bit later. But um, we had some homework to do. We did, yes. Uh, we were, we've done a couple of weeks on uh, Danny Nong Rangers towns and yes. where they come from, and, and Sassafras was the one you were interested in. Yeah, the next it was. one, it's such a funny name. Yeah, and I said it was named after a Sassafras tree. Well, I was right. Uh, the, the area was known as Sassafras Gully after the Sassafras trees, which grew along Sassafras Creek. Uh, so, uh, and these sassafras plants, they're a species of deciduous trees. They're actually native to eastern North America and eastern Asia. So, not quite certain how they came to uh, up the hills here. And um, yeah, there was a small scale farming that took place there in 1893. The post office opened in 1901 and uh, has always been known as Sassafras Gully, apparently, officially, yeah. post office. You so, spent time up there? Not in Sassafras exactly. I've been visited there and it's quite a nice little quaint town, isn't it? With it the is. Antique shops and various things. Yeah, there's a lot of them up there, but I think Sassafras is uh, certainly as good as any of the others. It's, a, yes. it is, it's, quite, a, it's quite a picturesque and um, uh, town with, with, with uh, quite, as you said, quaint uh, shops and uh, That's right. Things. It's got the... The legendary Miss Marple's uh, yes. Devonshire Devin Tea House that's always booked out. You go past them, people sitting outside waiting to get in, you know. Yes, have you been into that one? Yes, some years ago now. Yeah. Yeah, very, very, all around the they've got paintings uh, of Agatha Christie things and Miss Marple all around the walls, you know. Absolutely, absolutely, yes. Um, they've they've got all those in there, haven't they? The uh, the Miss Marple stuff. It's quite. Yeah, we went there once. It's one of those ones. It's almost like a tourist attraction for the locals, isn't it? It is, yes. Yeah, you, you never quite get sick of it, you know. We no, certainly, to, sorry, I was going to say it's certainly good to go off peak though, if you can, perhaps a weekday rather than the weekend, you know, to get in. Mm, the weekends, the weekends up in the day. Although I think they're going to be pretty quiet this weekend. Yes, this weekend uh, might be slightly different. You only still do your your five k in Melbourne from. Uh, I thought, it was 10, I thought it was Ted case. Oh, 10, yeah. yeah they did, sorry. Yeah, they did it. That's about the, one of the only concessions, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the other Ted. homework was meant to be a laugh. Well, we all need a laugh at the moment, don't we? Well, we do, yes. We do. What, was your, what was your funny thing that you well, did in, or what you consider humorous in the past? Well, uh, it goes back to when I, my teaching days at Monbolk uh, College there. In fact, in 1990, for a week, I was acting principal for various reasons, and uh, there was a World Earth Day they had in that year, and uh, it was about the environment and all that sort of business, and I had an old reel-to-reel tape recorder, and so I hooked it up to the school's PA system because, you know, as you know, when you're principal, you can do what you like, <laughs> and and I read out a story about creatures in a threatened forest, and I, I did all the sound effects myself and put on the voices, you know, like, uh, and it was about a an endangered species, I think. It went for about 10 minutes and was a pipe throughout the whole school. So I decided, oh, while this was playing, I just walked the corridors and some students thought that I was doing it live, you know, and they did a double take when they saw me walking past the windows while the story was told. And uh, that was sort of humorous. Uh, they got a bit of a laugh out of it, I think, because of the silly antics and voices I was putting on. In fact, one of the year 11 girls made a badge for me, and it says, Uncle Russell, Earth Day Storyteller. <laughs> <laughs> and I've still – and I looked at it. I've got it, in my, I've got it in my hand now. It's 31 years old, and I've still got it in the top drawer. <laughs> Have you? Wow. Yeah. 
That's uh, that's that's amazing, Russell. Well, let me think. Um, one that uh, uh, that relates to teaching too. Much many years ago, probably pretty close to forty years ago, I was uh, um, a middle level coordinator and the principal, uh, Mr. Swanborough, who sadly is no, no longer with us, was the principal. And he was a good man and loved his environment. And uh, anyway, we had the deputies away and I was number four. So on this particular day, I was the acting principal, just like you were. And um, that was the first time I'd been an acting principal at this school. Anyway, um, Mr. Swanborough went to a World Environment Day in the, se- in the city somewhere, remembering there were no mobile phones back in the 80s. Anyway, we had a group of practical jokers at the school headed by um, a person called Greg. And Greg Greg, uh, and his mates got together and thought they'd play a joke on me. And the joke was that uh, in those days we used to have uh, teachers who were temporary and over entitlement. So you kept them until a vacancy came up. Anyway, I got a call at recess time from a Mr. Allegedly George Patterson to say that um, there was a a vacancy up in Irimple. I remember they picked Irimple (laughs) and that a decision had to be made because this was a Friday and the person had to start on Monday. And I had three staff members, all of whom were um, potentially over entitlement at the time. And I said, well, uh, the principal's not here. I can't make that call. They said, well, you'll, you'll have to make the call or get whatever. You know, he sounded very, very yeah. much like an officious bureaucrat. But <laughs> I could spot his, I, I just sensed it was him. So anyway, I chatted to um, my business manager at the time there and told her and she said why don't you double the trick back on him it was a very good idea so I went in at um, at lunchtime looking very solemn and they were all sitting there and of course they all were in on the joke on me and uh, I just said I've had this call from a George Patterson from staffing and uh, I've got to make a call and they said what are you going to do I said well I told him I couldn't make it so um, I had a message I rang the convention centre or whatever it was the exhibition building I think at the time and Mr Swanborough was urgently leaving his convention just before lunch to come back to the school. Their faces went white. And the funny thing was, immediately, uh, um, Greg left the staff room, disappeared, and must have gone to a payphone up the road because we had all those phones. I got a call, another call from Mr. George Patterson, who started off by saying, look, it's all a mistake. Don't worry about it. Um, And I I said, well, I've called my principal, I've called my principal, who's come to the exhibition building just before lunch. He was um, a bit rattled and upset and disappointed, but he was on his way. And, of course, of course, um, Mr. Patterson at this point started to panic, and he forgot that he had to have a, a, a voice that was different. He started sounding like Greg, <laughs> getting hysterical. And I said, well, I can't do anything anyway. Um, he'll be here and... He'll have to sort it out and it'll be a pity for him. Anyway, the end of lunch came and, of course, no Mr Swanborough turned up uh, and I called at recess time uh, Greg to my office and just confided in him, joke well played. And I remember he laughed and all the stuff. Uh, they actually thought it was good that Greg had a practical joke played against him because <laughs> I was one of a long line of people that he had practical jokes on. <laughs> and I must <laughs> say, I did enjoy the look on his face when, yeah, right. when, when I said to him, gotcha. <laughs> but, but, yeah. we, but in the meantime, of course, we were always doing plenty of work. That was just one of those little things, you know. You need a bit of fun while you're at work, don't you, Russell? Yeah. When 
did you eventually come clean when you had him in your in your office? Yes, did you, you know? yes, yes. <laughs> late in the day, I, I, bet was, I bet he was. I bet he was relieved that it was uh, not not happening. <laughs> yes, well, I called him to the view. office and had the door closed, so he thought um, uh, Mr. Swanborough would have been in there, and he came in looking very sort of. Um, uh, how could you could? He was a bit, bit pale and apprehensive. Yeah, <laughs> then he was very relieved when it was a joke. He didn't mind. He was a good, he was a good person anyway. So, yeah, that was the fun that we had. Um, now, we, we haven't even started on the news yet, Russell. No, so we better get moving, I think. We better get moving. Now, earlier in the week, it was lockdown extension likely as virus uh, races, and uh, there was a lot of uh, commentary and speculation about it. But we're here today, or we're here now, um, that um, we've now got uh, a seven-day lockdown. We're right into that. That's right. So Melbourne and metropolitan areas, the, the greater Melbourne area, seven-day extension with, as you say, a 10-kilometre radius for our five, the five reasons. Uh, schools are still closed except for VCE students. They want them back Uh um, starting on Friday, and uh, there will also be relaxing of some work activity. The outdoor people, like landscape gardeners, they can return. Uh, in the regions, though, they're virtually out of uh, our lockdown anyway. It's vastly reduced restrictions and regarding travel and ceremonies, etc. And all school students are back in the in the country areas. Uh, however, Melbourne people cannot go to the regions. Uh, unless they've got permission or permit or something like that. So it's uh, still for Melbourne mainly. And I think the, re- the change, I think, came to continue it because they've introduced this, uh, they've found that 10% of positive cases now have caught the virus from a stranger. Mm. Uh, they call it a fleeting transmission where you, you mm. just rub shoulders with someone. Uh, you don't have to be with them for long. And, uh, and the Indian variant that seems to be around Melbourne now moves faster than, than any strain so far and has greater infectiousness. So I think it's uh, just a, a way of being doubly precautious about it. Mm. Oh, and just on a little addendum to that, the WHO, I think it is, have changed the nomenclature for these variants based on the fact that uh, some people might uh, might take a, a, a racist view of it. And I think they're calling this one, the, they're all the Greek the Greek alphabet and the the, the what was called the Indian variant is now called the Kappa variant. Oh, is it? Okay. Yes, Alpha, Beta, oh. Gamma, Delta. <laughs> yeah. um, do you know the whole alphabet in Greek? Um, epsilon's after Delta, isn't it? Epsilon, I think it, yeah. I don't know what F is, but uh, there you go. We, yeah, we, I remember in chemistry in the prac, we used to do prac co- yeah. chemistry once a week, and the teacher used to mark uh, not just tens, but alpha, betas, and gammas, you know. Yes, and I gamma remember. was a C, and we always called him Gamma Giver because that seemed to be his most popular mark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing. Uh, yes, and so we're all in the middle of that. Let's hope that uh, it doesn't extend beyond uh, another week, Russell. Yeah, we do indeed, yes. We're going to look closely at the long weekend, uh, but uh, we just have to see how things go. Mm, it's all to do with um, the, the spreadability of this, which is incredibly much more, uh, has a greater pace than any of the others, uh, with even less contact, and um, knowing where the cases come, because some of them are coming from strangers, so they don't, they can't nail it down. But uh, right, right. it's, uh, and let's just hope it uh, keeps people woke, wake up to the fact that we must be vaccinated. Indeed, yes, it's a mm. point of even more and more towards that, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely, Russ. We need to take a short break. Can you hold the line? Yes, certainly. 
Welcome back to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grossack, and my co-host, Russell Hanby, with What's Making News, is uh, is on the other line. Welcome back, Russell. Thanks, Henry. And yeah. every week we uh, have our medical breakthroughs, and often yes. in Melbourne, don't we? And here's yes. another one in the, in the Herald Sun Cancer Breakthrough. Scientists are excited by the discovery that lowering cholesterol levels could prevent or stop the spread of prostate cancer. And uh, researchers from QIMR, Berghofen Medical Research Institute, and the University of Queensland, what they've done, they've identified a change in what they call the HNRNPK protein in people suffering from advanced uh, prostate cancer. And they found that lowering cholesterol levels can help control the release of the protein from the prostate cancer cells. Now, these prostate cancer cells, what they do, they release the protein in small particles, which prepare other parts of the body for the cancer to spread. And and in these cells, the uh, ratio between cholesterol is dominating the omega-3 fatty acids. And apparently that's not good. So you can do it two ways. You can either lower the cholesterol or increase the omega-3 fatty acids, probably a combination of both. And uh, they're going to develop a new blood test uh, to detect this protein. And when people sort of show that it's in there, they can probably try to lower their cholesterol to prevent the spread. Yes, and it it fits in with that um, famous old um, wise saying, prevention is better than cure. Indeed it is. So that'll be good news. Anything to do with the breakthrough to prevent or lower the uh, the risk is what we want, isn't it? Especially since prostate cancer claims the lives of um, a very significant number of um, men, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, last year 16,100 men were in Australia were newly diagnosed with prostate cancer and over 3,000 died. So Yes, and in the Herald Sun, Russell, demand for property reaches record levels. Improved economic conditions and low interest rates continue to drive housing demand to unprecedented levels. And uh, that's obviously got a plus and a minus, depending on which side of the property boom you are on, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And in the first three months of 2021, Melbourne's median house price exceeded a million dollars. Uh, they say that an extended lockdown could slow the price growth and drag down property prices. Um, the core logic uh, shows that Melbourne's home and unit values rose 1.8% in the past month and 1.7% in the regions. Uh, apparently, short lockdowns have little lasting effect on the values, but longer ones can. So uh, that's what uh, they're saying. Yes, and um, when you look at it, um, Melbourne sits uh, really second, doesn't it, to Sydney? Yes, yeah, it does indeed. Um, Apparently, it tumbled during the last year's lockdown, tumbled 5.5%, much more than in the capital, but we seem to have gained it, haven't we? In fact, from the end of May, just gone, Melbourne's house listings are at a five-year high, a 29% jump on the number of units over the year as well. So uh, there's still a lot of property listings at the moment. Mm, And the median value overall is 740000 $562. $562. That's a, a lot of money, and that only being the median price, isn't it? Yes. So uh, it's sort of up and down, but it's, uh, and of course, with the interest rates around about 1% or something, it's, uh, it, 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 there's a lot of demand for houses, isn't there? Mm. Of course, those rates will not stay that forever, though, will they? And of course, no. people will be 
geared very highly on houses, you could imagine, in somewhere down the track. So, uh, yes, it's a two-edged sword. Um, this one's interesting. There's always um, shysters around, isn't there, Russell? Yes. Uh, COVID uh, vaccine. There's a warning over fake vaccines. The COVID vaccine maker Pfizer, they've warned Australians not to try to buy its vaccine via the internet amid fears consumers could fall prey to cyber criminals selling counterfeit coronavirus shots. And uh, they've warned Australia about an anticipated increase in the prevalence of fraud, counterfeit and other illicit activity. Now, Australia is set to import 20 million doses of Pfizer's vaccine by the end of the year, but and Pfizer said its products are not available for sale via um, private channels, including from online pharmacies. In fact, any treatments over the internet are not legitimate. Uh, and to make sure they've got a GPS-enabled thermal sensors on all their shipments to track uh, the location and temperature. Uh, so that could be something that people think, oh, we'll get the cheap vaccine on the internet. <laughs> it's amazing, and it's just so terrible, really, because you take not only you're taking advantage of people, you're putting their health and other people's health at risk by selling them um, snake oil. That's probably what it would be, yes. Yeah, that's right. You read of different scams every day, don't you? But uh, mm. people even people even try to take advantage of a pandemic like this. Yes, and uh, it it just it speaks to the breadth of human behaviour, doesn't it? It does indeed. Yep. You never seem to be cease to be amazed sometimes, do you? Right? Absolutely. Now, what's the odd spot? This is a curious one. Yeah, we've got the Tokyo Olympics uh, possibly coming up. It's still a big question mark as to how they'll run. But in addition to the vagaries of the virus, Tokyo Olympic organisers are battling another weighty problem. Floats designed to create favourable racing conditions along the 2,000-metre rowing course have mysteriously been attaching themselves to buoys and dragging them into the deep as the shellfish put on weight over the winter. Uh, Divers have since removed the weighty hangers-on and officials continue to monitor the floats for fresh attachments. <laughs> you, see, you wouldn't have spotted or thought of that, would you? No, there's always something that's happening. Absolutely. And, of course, I think the Olympic Games are still at risk, aren't they? Well, I think so, yes. They're talking whether they'll have spectators or whether they'll some, – you know, some of their countries probably will be very wary of even wanting to go, won't they, you'd think, too. Absolutely, yes. It's a, it's a very uncertain world in which we live um, at the moment. It has been for some time. Ross, that takes us out and we'll keep ourselves clear of homework this week. What do you reckon? All right, we'll just have a bit of a rest from we'll that, We'll have okay? a bit of a rest and, re- rest and reflection. That'll be R&R, yes. And then a bit of rejuvenation. All right, yes. yes. Anything else? Rest, recreation, <laughs> rejuvenation, repartee? Uh, re- oh, yeah. Well, we, <laughs> might, we, we might be more relaxed for the repartee. Absolutely. We? Listen, thank you so much for another informative uh, week. I was really interested in that Sassafras um, township, uh, why it was named that, just because I think the name, uh, Sassafras itself, is a, a weird name in a way. It is, yes. I wonder how it got its name. I wonder where the word sassafras came from. Well, it goes back to the trees. What you want to know is why why name the tree sassafras, don't we, really? Well, we're not going there, Russell. We're no, having we a week there. off. Yeah, a week right, off, right. Russell. Okay, Listen, right from all that. <laughs> go and, if, you, if it's within 10 k's of your house, go and sit under a... Under a, a, um, a sassafras tree and pontificate. 
Right, I'll have to get that Google map out, which which measures where 10k radius is, and to see you. Okay, you have a great week. We'll catch you next week. That was Russell Hanby and What's Making News, listeners. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Uh, yes, yeah, that's a fresh, uh, hmm, the tree name. Be interesting. Well, we'll leave that for another week.